You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 60. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to do that quick shout out for the Life with Intention online mini series about intention setting. It is going on now. It's totally free. You can get the videos by signing up at lifewithintentiononline.com. There are three videos. The third video will be going out later today, in fact, so you can watch all three episodes if you haven't seen them yet. It's a really, really quick, but hopefully helpful overview of how to set intentions. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Becky Murphy. Becky is an amazing friend of mine here in Austin and has a website called chipperthings.com. She's an illustrator, author, and freelancer. Her first book was called I'd Rather Be Short, and she has a second book coming out in the next few years, and she's working on it right now, in fact. We had a really frank, honest conversation as friends about the challenges that go along with small business that often aren't shared, and we decided that talking about these challenges that we're facing now or things that we faced in the past will hopefully be a powerful way to help those who don't have a small business and only see the shiny Instagram pictures and announcements that business owners present that makes it look like it's all gravy and glitter and <laughs> and awesome stuff that just show the challenges and to show the stuff that goes into it behind the scenes, the dark moments and the things that are hard. And for those that have their own businesses, hopefully this conversation will connect with you. It will help you feel less alone and hopefully shed any light that might be shed on this experience that is so challenging at times. Let's go to the show. Hey, Becky, welcome to The Lively Show. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me. Let's tell everybody about how you got to where you are. Loaded question, Jess. I grew up in Iowa in a very small town, and I was always the artsy kid. And I went to Iowa State, where I studied graphic design, and then I moved to Texas about four years ago for a graphic design job. And then a couple years ago, I started working for myself freelance. So wait, what did you do in between there that was the day job? I worked at a place called Hole in the Roof in Waco, and I was a graphic designer right after college. How did you make that transition from that to doing freelance? Well, I had a book that was published. I always wanted to go freelance. And I think before actually, you know, the younger you are, you think like a year is a really long time. And the older you get, you realize a year is like no time. <laughs> so when I was in college, I was like, oh, yeah, after a couple of years, I'll probably just, you know, work for myself. When you're actually in it, you realize like, that's a lot of work to get to that point. So I'm very lucky that it worked out this way. And I don't think I could have done it as soon as I did if I didn't get a book deal. And the book uh, was released a about a year ago, actually a little more now. It's called I'd Rather Be Short. <laughs> and It's really cute. Uh, thank you. I, so I wrote it and illustrated it. That was in 2012. I had this idea for this book that I just wanted to exist. Maybe we'll get into that more later. But basically the book deal was kind of the, it, it was just the right time for me to take the plunge and have a little bit of extra cash in my savings and 
just and I moved to Austin at that point too and I just went all in and just did it and I'm still doing it. Okay, so a few months back you and I talked about how you felt that there were some external expectations that came with the success in that book deal that surprised you. So what happened? The surprising thing is that when you have something like a book deal or some sort of success that, you know, is just like cool points. It seems cool, right? Like I totally thought it was cool before I had it. I still think it's cool, but it's like I'm still the same person. I don't really feel different. And granted, it's not it's not like it's um, you know, the Hunger Games or something. It's just a small <laughs> book. I don't take it too seriously, but I'm proud of it. And I think that other people think that it's like really cool. You have a book deal, therefore you must be um, you must have it together. If you work for yourself, freelancing, got a book, speak at a conference, you know, th- all those things are just cool points. And they're they're legit. You know, anyone who does those things are not being, it's all real, but the, but it's still, I think people thought that it was like so easy for me or that I was super successful. And the reality is, when you were freelance and when you went into it like I did, I had no idea what I was doing. I think I just, I'm, it was really out of character for me to just dive in like that because I generally like to have a plan and very analytical. But I just dove in and I had no idea what I was doing. So it's been a long road. It's about two years now. And yeah, I think it's been two full years that I've been doing it. And I've just been, I was bad at it when I started. And I always say that freelance when you start is like puberty. <laughs> it's so awkward, Jess. I always say it's like having a training bra. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. Right? A lot of stages of business, it's like, well, you're too big for that, but you're not there yet. So it's interesting. And like you've been mentioning, how people perceive you in your business is sometimes or oftentimes different than what it is behind the scenes, which is why I wanted to share this story. I don't try to nail home about business too much. You know, I might interview business owners, but I don't try to like make this about the business. But I think this conversation is fascinating for both business owners to hear and and relate to, but also for those who don't have a business to see the not so pretty side of it or the things that go into it that aren't always so cool pointy or glammy as it might look online. Yeah. So, I mean, my first year I did everything wrong. I mean, I tried so hard. It's okay. You know, it wasn't like anything crazy, but just little experience, not charging enough, not really knowing how to schedule my day, not being assertive, all of the things. And depending on this one retainer client that wasn't, I just couldn't depend on one person for all of it. So the first year was such a struggle. I felt so defeated every month because I was not making as much money as I was spending. And I had that savings cushion. But you know, I didn't want to use that. I thought that I would just have it together in three months. I'm hardworking. I'm ambitious. I've got friends who are good at this. So I there, you know, give me three months, maybe six. <laughs> you know, it's like so ridiculous. It's like, it's like back to the kids, you know, like you think that time is so long. And it's just Nothing. I mean, I just felt defeated every month and like I had a few breakdowns like what am I doing? And I also thought that by getting a real job, I would be failing like I was so afraid of the idea of having to get a second job. (laughs) It's so I mean, it's it's the silliest thing. It's it's all pride, you know. 
It is pride. I was just thinking that as you're saying that, right? Like there's nothing wrong with that. If people have values of stability and a certain lifestyle, the, the, taking a second job, if that's not where you're at with your business yet, is the most natural extension of that value. But the pride of I should be able, I should, right? That, yes. that little S word gets in there and it says, I should be able to do it without this by X amount of time, purely based on your pride of like when you think you're, yeah. you're giving yourself this grace period to like fail and then you're never going to fail again. And nobody cares as much as I, you know, like nobody's <laughs> thinking about my business and my success like there I mean like people care about me and I have friends and you know all that but nobody's spending more than 30 seconds analyzing my success and the timing of it I, I mean so I didn't really realize it that's the trickiest thing about pride is that it's there and then unless you realize it you just think that's the way it is and so I just spent the year trying my best and it was okay I learned a lot and I just felt, like I said, I felt defeated a lot of the time and kind of like a fake because people would say, oh, how, how's freelance, Becky? How's it going? I didn't know how to answer because I'm the type of person that will shoot you straight and I like to talk and verbally process. And so if you ask me how it's going, I'll tell you exactly how it's going. And after a while, I'm like, okay, maybe not just Maybe just chill out. Don't tell everyone everything. Um, but then if I didn't tell them the honest answer of it sucks, it's hard, I'm not doing well, I'm not making very much money, then I felt like, gosh, that sucks too, right? You know, you don't you, you don't want people to think that it's not working out for you. And so that's a lot of pressure. It is. And it's it's unnecessary. You know, if somebody were to like shake me and have told me, why do you have all this pressure on yourself? You're young. You're trying to do something that you love that you feel called to do and give yourself grace. It'll take time. You know, I would have totally agreed. It's kind of sneaks up on you. Your ego just wants to glue yeah, you and, totally. you know, put you on this measuring stick. It's almost like one of those rulers on the wall where like when you every year you get measured <laughs> by your mom. And what ends up happening often too, it's a lot like that measuring stick. Your ego said, you know, I'm going to grow by three inches by six months from now, obviously, because that's how much I'm going to grow. And your ego just decides <laughs> you're going to figure out the business thing. And then if you don't, or God forbid, you measure yourself against someone else's measuring stick progress oh on the wall, right? <laughs> and don't we do that with businesses that we see around us too? Yeah, Absolutely. Did you have any external pressures about the measuring yourself to anyone else's measuring stick? Like, did I struggle with comparison? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we all do. I, I don't have a specific person or even a specific idea. I think it just, you know, obviously everybody's showing their better sides in public. And so I think the idea of, you know better, Becky, you know all the answers, you have all the resources, so why isn't it working? That's hard, you know? That's the thing about when you work for yourself. You go into it thinking the world is your oyster and possibilities are endless, which they are, but then that creates that same pressure of if it doesn't work out, then it's you. You did something wrong. You messed up. You're not good enough. You failed. And that's something I try to nail home with my class a lot is that <laughs> we think that, right? We think we're like this puppeteer. And if we pull the string, 
the the arm and the puppet's going to lift. But the truth is the only reason that arm lifts, yes, we do move the string, but we assume because we moved it, that's why it moved. But really, it's all principles that are at play. And often we berate ourselves if we don't understand or follow the principles or if there's external principles happening in our situation, then it's not even in our control altogether. But because we take for granted so many principles like gravity, we assume that if we kick a ball, it's going to go in one direction. That's assuming that gravity's there and it's going to keep staying there so the ball doesn't just float away, right, into space. And we just take these principles for granted and then put all this pressure on ourselves to be these masters of the universe <laughs> when the principles are always out there. And even external principles we may not even understand or see happening may be affecting a situation like the time that you got out of school, for example, and the recession. Well, the recession and what happened is based on principles are far outside your control. And you can't force that situation to be different, but it will possibly affect your business or your career in some ways. It's so challenging, but it's really a personal torture. When we put ourselves at the center of this universe, it's creating things rather than recognizing we're just one piece in the ecosystem and also to give ourselves the freedom to experiment in taking new actions and saying, oh, I thought I knew that this would be the outcome, but it's not. Maybe I need to try something new instead of like, I just failed because you totally expected one thing to work when it didn't. Right. I mean, that's just putting yourself at the center of the universe (laughs) cannot go well. (laughs) I want to be a part of something bigger. I don't want to be the big thing because that means my world is very, very, very small. That's a great way of looking at it. People thinking that you're super successful and assuming that was a challenge, right? Wasn't there some stuff that came up because of that? Yeah, totally. Um, I would say that in some ways it did make it more difficult. I wouldn't say that having a book hurt my business at all. It's definitely helped me, but people might think that you're too expensive and you need the work. You know, it's like, I'm still, I'm still a freelancer. Like I still need to pay my bills people. And I don't know if that's the case very often. I don't think so highly of myself or think that having a book deal is the biggest thing ever. Like tons of people have books. But I did find out that somebody almost didn't hire me or even ask. And it was the most amazing project. She just thought that I was too expensive. And and so it's like, oh, man, like, I wonder, is that hurting with other business that I don't even know about? So I'll never know the answer to that. But yeah, and it's not about how you see yourself because you have the book. It's yeah. also about how other people are seeing you because you have the book. Totally. Yeah, you think you think that like, oh, this is going to be so good. People will think that I'm so good at my job and like everyone will hire me and they'll want to pay me more. Like, I mean, I think that's probably true for a lot of people in some ways, but that's where I don't know how to use it as leverage. And, you know, I'm just the same Becky who has a book or has done this or that that's kind of cool, but it's just another thing. It's interesting, this thing that a lot of people might be chasing, and it may not be in a business. Maybe this is all applying to motherhood and someone's life, or maybe this applies to their career and getting a degree, a new degree, or getting this next promotion, right? The book thing kind of is maybe equivalent to that. But we all have these things that we think that when we get this benchmark, then we'll be happy or we'll arrive or whatever. And it's interesting that you keep saying over and over again, I'm still the same me after the book. I mean, it's a good thing, but it didn't radically alter my existence. Did you think it would have affected you in a bigger way than it has? 
I think it could have. I'm really, really thankful for how it did because it was the biggest deal ever to me. It was such a dream come true, like I said. And I think that if the book, I mean, the book did fine. You know, anyone listening who has no idea what we're talking about, it's a really small coffee table book. It's a hundred reasons why it's great to be small and they're silly and nice little illustration. It's just, it's a fun, quirky book that you can get at like Barnes and Noble or gift shops. And so it's not like a New York Times bestseller. So if it did really, really well, that would have been good in a lot of ways. And I by no means would have complained if it was Urban Outfitters top seller, you know, (laughs) that would have been great. But I think that that would have also brought in its own challenges. Anytime you have success, you, you have to really be conscious of managing your expectations in the future and being thankful for what you have and not having the external pressure weigh in on you. So I think it's the Elizabeth Gilbert. Is that the one who wrote Eat, Pray, Love? Yes. She has a really great TED Talk where she addresses that and how Eat, Pray, Love was so big. And that was hard. It's hard to write your next book after that. So anyway, I'm very thankful for how mine did. You know, it's fine. And I'm excited I get to make another book and I get to keep doing what I love. And I can relate a lot to this because over the years I've been doing the different things like accessory design for 14 years and then business consulting and then life with intention work that I do now. I will say I've wanted to do the work I'm doing now at every point (laughs) throughout all of the other things. And it took me till now that I'm really in it. I'm at 30 now and I started this business full I started my own business full time out of school so that's at least like seven or eight years right there trying to get to this place but at the same time that I wanted to be doing this work I will also say I wasn't ready and prepared truly to be doing it on the level and the scale that I'm doing it now earlier and that is the God honest truth now if you told me that back four years ago two years ago 14 months ago, I probably would have been like, I need this now. I want this so badly, but I wasn't truly ready. And I didn't realize that until I'm presented in situations now where people are looking to me for answers or they're, we're talking about a topic that might be difficult. And I now have the ability to share from a very deep and wise place. I don't say that in a super inflated way, but I'm ready now. And I wasn't before. And I almost wonder if life was kind of waiting for me to cook a little longer before the external things started falling into place the way they are now because I wasn't ready for it. And in some ways, it was a blessing that it didn't happen as quickly as I thought it could have or should have in the past. Yeah, that is great. In Amy Poehler's book, it says something like, I think we should you know, stop asking people in their 20s what they want to do and asking them like, what would they just not want to do? And I love that because Like, that's what I'm learning now is what I don't want to do. And like you said, even when you do know what you want to do, it takes that time to just cook and incubate. I definitely felt that for my 20s. I totally felt like everything I did was this chipping away of I don't want to do that and I don't want to do that. And it was really honing in and really getting laser focused on what I did want to do. Yeah, that's great. So do you think that when you knew what you really wanted, but you weren't ready, like, did you know specifically what you wanted and weren't ready? Or was it kind of like you could feel that there was more, but you were still figuring it out? The time when I moved to Chicago and started paying the bills, it just was a matter of I could never pay the bills doing that stuff. So it was always how can I pay the bills while I'm trying to get there? I felt like a green banana. I knew I needed to get some level of authority and, and really experience 
I'd studied eight for eight years, basically, and I was helping along the way. And I don't want anyone to stop themselves from doing work like I'm doing where they are. I started this blog six years ago as a way to start helping people. And I didn't have nearly the depth of understanding and, and wisdom I have to share now, but I was curious and I was willing to offer everything I could. The ability to support myself on that material now and that work that I do with people and the value I'm able to provide is so much deeper because I'm more prepared. Yes, there were times where I, I thought I had it all figured out or I wanted to do it full time, but the income wasn't there. And I think the income wasn't there because I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready to really provide that value to the level that I am now. Life was kind of being kind to me and letting me bake a little longer while I was supporting myself in these other ways. What else has surprised you about this whole journey that people on the other side of a computer screen might not suspect? Something that within what I was saying about feeling defeated when I wasn't meeting my expectations or what I thought people's expectations were of me, feeling like I was a fake, as I talked about earlier, it all turned around when I realized that if I changed the definition of what a success is, then I'm a success. Before, I had it all wrapped up in money and how much I worked and how easy it was to get clients or all that stuff that what you think you're should you should be doing or what a good designer does. And once I realized that I'm doing what I love and I'm being honest and I'm paying my bills, like there's nothing about it that's that's not legit. I'm just doing what I love and figuring it out. And I was like, I this is the most successful thing ever. So that was a really, really freeing time when I sort of realized it and I sort of slowly came upon me. Um, but that was really hopeful. That surprised me that a paradigm shift like that can change what you would define as a success or not can just change that fast once you look at it in a new way. Or well, that's how it was for me anyway. And it's even cooler, like you said, that some of these things, the pennies don't matter. If you can look back even deeper and deeper and go into your values and are you living your values right now? Bingo. The external pennies will come and go. They'll be here and then they won't be. You can build this huge business and then you can get sued and it could all be gone. The penny stuff's going up and down versus, am I living my values right now given whatever circumstances or whatever pennies may or may not be in my life right now? Oftentimes, you just got to hit your head against the wall enough with those pennies that you start to realize that they're just pieces of metal. I couldn't agree more. And something else I was thinking about, something that has surprised me, I wrote this down earlier, Jess, when you fail over and over again, it feels so defeating. But part of me really wanted to give up hope in that, what am I even doing? But the more that it happened, you realize you're okay. And that's kind of like what you're with the shiny pennies. With or without them, you're still there. <laughs> you're still totally fine. It's almost like by not getting them, Part of you for maybe for a while would be like, oh, I guess I can't get them. It's fine. Like you're conditioning yourself for something bigger and greater. And so the fact that expectations weren't met was one of the best things that I think God gave me in this, in the very beginning. And I know I'm still very new to all of this, but in the first year or so, how great is that, that I was conditioned to be okay with not having everything I wanted. It's so obvious when you look back on it. That is such a great point, Becky, because what you're saying is 
we don't need these things, but if we kept accumulating them as often as we wanted them, we would never realize we're bigger than the things. Yeah. It's almost like a spiral. So you can still learn the same lesson just at a different level. And so I've had that same lesson about the pennies over and over again over the years. But I just had a new lesson with that. So this year, one of my big target outcomes, right? I'm not trying to chase the outcome, but one of the things that's very meaningful to me that is a shiny penny, it's totally a shiny penny, but it means so much to me. My ego is so attached to it is to buy a house for my family. I really, really want to live my values and I'm not afraid to turn away profitable businesses like I've closed in the past in order to do what I feel called in my intuition to do. But at the same time, (laughs) the income that I do earn, I want to to get this house. And I had to let go yesterday because I was so tied and wrapped up in trying to get a home so that when we have a child that we're not in a house that might be a little bit small for both of us working from home and having a child and having enough space for office areas and children and everything that I had to let it go and realize like I am okay right now. And even if that doesn't happen this year, that doesn't mean that I'm any less fulfilled and joyful right now. I just need to let that go because it's only going to be when I let it go, then I give it room to actually happen unless I I mean, I guess I could do a lot of things that wouldn't be towards my values to make that outcome happen, but I'm not willing to let go of the values in order to make that outcome happen. So I've got to let it go and let it flow from the values. And maybe that's not going to be on my timeline and I have to be okay with that. Yeah, that letting go is so cool because you can't lose because if you don't get the thing, you've already let go. And if you get it, how cool is that, that you weren't desperate for it? And that's exactly how it felt with my second book where I, for a long time, put the pressure on myself of, oh gosh, I had the one, I got to make another one. This is my thing. I've told everybody, this was my dream. This is what I want to do. Oh gosh, I need something better and bigger. And what if I don't get another book deal? What will people think? Nobody's thinking about it. But I had that pressure and expectations of all across the board with it. And eventually, I just let go of it because the process took longer for the second one, not for any bad reasons. It just books take a long time. And so throughout the long process, I just sort of let go. And I'm not defined by this anymore. And it felt so great. I don't need this anymore. You're bigger than the book. Yeah, exactly. And and then I got it and I was so happy. But it wasn't me. It didn't it's not completing me or fulfilling me. It's just I mean, it's another extension of me and it's a place I get to share what I love and it's so nice cuz even working on it just I don't have to make it the best, coolest, funniest thing ever. It's not making or breaking me. It's something I'm pumped about and I'm passionate about, but it's just it's a book. It's a book that I care about, but it's not me. (laughs) It's not completing you. It's coming from you, not filling you. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's something to remember because it's so tricky and we might learn it in this one way and then the next thing happens that is slightly different. It's like few shades off. So you don't see it. Like I didn't think about what was really going on and why I was so frustrated yesterday until I realized, okay, Jess, you're really fixating on this expectation of the house. And I can't wait till I have that experience. I would love for that experience to be in the next year or two. But 
I'm not willing to sacrifice my values of what I do for a living because I want to do this work and I want to do this work more than I want to have the house. And actually, it's kind of a good cry <laughs> to realize that like that's really what's happening is like I'm super frustrated that maybe I don't earn enough to do the type of home that I'd like and the place I'd like to be. But it's funny because I love my, that's like my biggest, shiniest penny ever. And to have the realization that I'm not willing to drop what I'm doing to, I don't know, get some corporate job so that I could get there faster or something like that. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to realize how deeply I still do ultimately value my values. I might be stressed because I might not get the the penny, but I'm not willing to to let go of the values, though. I've got to let go of the outcome. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like so tightly held on to those values. My ego might want to contrive its way into getting that outcome. That's probably where the stress has been coming from. I deeply hold my values intact and I would love for those values to produce that outcome, but I'm not willing to sacrifice the values for the shortcut or some quicker principle that gets me there than doing the work I do. How freeing is that? It's actually really interesting to see like as much as my ego cares about that, that's where the stress is coming from is recognizing I'm not willing to sacrifice the values to get there faster. It's like we have so much to be grateful for when we can see those little milestones. I mean, that's a huge milestone. That's not a little one. That's awesome, Jess. Thank you. I will say that that's definitely like the seventh one of those. (laughs) It's just the recent one. So I had those moments where I had this penny I had to let go of all along the way since I started when I was in my first year, like you're talking about earlier. When I was there, I had this moment of having panic attacks. And I realized I was willing to have the panic attacks because I was stressed about my business succeeding and whether it would continue to provide the income I needed to pay the bills. And instead of looking at that as a ticket to get a job without anyone thinking I failed, I was willing to have panic attacks. In seeing myself do that, I recognize I'm more willing to have a panic attack than I am to let go of my values <laughs> to do what I'm doing. And that was a huge relief and a, a nice way to kind of settle in. So I had had other times with this. This is just, and I think that's a great lesson here. It doesn't matter if I'm 30 or if I'm 40 or if I'm 20. It's the same lessons. It's just that spiral. So it's just a new way of learning that same lesson or deepening into it. And often, Sometimes when those new versions of the same old lesson come up, we don't recognize it as the same lesson because it's in a new form. So I haven't been personally letting go of the house shiny penny yet. I've let go of other shiny pennies in the past. This is just my my newest one. But when you can recognize it, just like you said, you had to let go of the second book. When you can recognize it, that's where all the peace and like the relief and the big sigh comes in. <laughs> you can go, okay. I'm okay. And that's why I think what you said was so powerful earlier. The times when we don't have everything we want, we're able to realize that we don't have to have it. And that helps us realize we're bigger than the things we think we have to have. Yeah. And I think sometimes letting it go, because that is, if you're not ready, it's kind of hard to force. But just entertaining the thought, what if I didn't get this book deal? What would life look like? And it would like look the same, you know, I would be fine. And so I feel like that's for me, like kind of a little practice and letting go, just taking a second to just pretend for, you know, entertain the thought of letting go and pretend I let go. How is that? And time after time, you still alive. So (laughs) I love that. What doubts or resistance have you had to face internally recently or in the past? The thing that comes to mind is 
that voice. Everybody would agree probably that the resistance is themselves. But along with that, there's this voice inside of me that will say it's very sneaky and it's trying to be helpful or it it says it's trying to be helpful. And it says, you're not the kind of person to do that. It's kind of like just a statement specifically, I guess, with things like you're not the kind of person who could uh, be making this much from one project or you're not the kind of person who could sell this many books or anything that you think you can't do. But it's like my own voice or my false self, not my true self, is just saying that I'm not that type of person. So that's something that I've, I've kind of had to learn to counter and to say that that's not me. That's not true. What do you say when when that happens? Um, well, when I recognize it, I think that I just say why. I think John Acuff talks about this in one of his books, maybe in Start. Once you hear that voice, you kind of write it out. And yeah, I mean, I should do this more. I don't actually write it out very often. But why can't I do it? The answer is just like, well, it's hard. You haven't done it before. You don't really know how. Like it's like, oh, okay. If that's the reason, then yeah, we're, we're I'm fine. Then it's like talking yourself through it. So that's the first thing to come to mind. But also, uh, I guess just kind of learning to give myself grace with not having been a business person before. After reading Lean In, I felt really empowered because. I realized how much of just how I was brought up as a girl, I'm not trying to make this into a sexism thing or anything like that, but just in my personal life, I've always been a peacemaker and not taking risks, not rocking the boat, just being a nice girl and being praised for that and getting along with people. And that has its own merits, but kind of realizing like, oh, that makes sense that certain parts of being a business owner have been hard because you just haven't practiced them, you know, exercising certain things. So what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? I would say to give it time and that you can be doing everything right and it's going to take time and to give yourself grace, stay curious, do the work, put the creative content out there It'll come in time and to just not not play that game of it's not happening fast enough, I'm not good enough, or, you know, those things, those crappy things that somehow sneak in into our minds. And I think that the three books that I would say that I really wish I would have read before I started freelance are The E-Myth Revisited, which is a really good practical business book, but it's a, it's a good read and the go-giver and essentialism. Yeah. You've told me about essentialism. I have to go read that one now. So good. I think that's part of it. You have to stay curious because if you, if you want to learn more, you will find the zillions of other awesome resources and podcasts. But those are three that I think would have been very, very helpful from day one. Thank you, Becky. And thank you so much for sharing things that We often don't hear about a lot online about business. Yeah, thanks for having me. And there you have it. Thank you so much, Becky, for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. If you would like to send Becky a message to let her know how much you love the show, Becky has a Twitter and Instagram account with the handle at Becky C. 
Murphy. So feel free to reach out to her and let her know how much you like the show or if it touched you in any way. And of course, please feel free to go back to JessLively.com for all of those book recommendations that Becky made and the show notes at JessLively.com slash Becky Murphy. Thank you guys so much and may something wonderful happen to you today. 